Podcast. If you're not listening to Podcast, the terrorists are winning. That's what Jay Moore says. Welcome to the Podcast. Sit down and enjoy a pint. Okay, this is the Midnight Run episode of the Podcast. Allison and Rob join me to break down this really sort of overlooked classic. Uh, Charles Grodin died on May 18th. And a lot of people were talking about their favorite Grodin movie, and Midnight Run seemed to come up over and over again. So instead of doing what I had planned, I decided to break down Midnight Run, and it turns out everyone likes it. It's often forgotten and overlooked, and it seems to be left off of everyone's list of their favorite movies. But when you bring it up, it seems like everyone gets a smile on their face and can quote their favorite lines. Uh, It's got Grodin and De Niro both at the height of their powers, and it's simple, it's fun, it's super underrated. Uh, it's Midnight Run. I love to travel by train. Oh yeah, what do you think this is, a class trip? A tough ex-cop. Are you always this angry? A sensitive criminal. Oh, no, no, come on, come on. Cigarettes are killers. Why are we running away from the FBI? Because I gotta bring it back myself, otherwise I won't get my money. They can't fly. They also suffer from acrophobia and claustrophobia. I'll tell you what, if you don't cooperate, you're going to suffer from fistophobia. They're seeing America the hard way. Why would you eat that? Because it tastes good. At gunpoint. What did you do before you did this? What qualified you for this? He's gaining. No, get it. He's flying. Of course he's gaining. Robert De Niro. It is truly in your best interest to just relax. I'm totally relaxed. Charles Grodin. $2, that's all you're going to leave? That's 15%. That's 13%. These people depend on tips for a living. From the director of Beverly Hills Cop, Midnight Run. Midnight Run. This is, I think, going to be our shortest ever no-nonsense plot. Wow. Uh, An accountant is chased by bounty hunters, the FBI, and the mafia after jumping bail. Fine. Great. That's it. Okay. That's it. That's all. So, I, that's all you need. I not an untrue, not an untrue word in there. No, this movie. I know we we talked about it in college. That's where I first saw it. I did not see this when this first came out. No. And when we went back to rewatch this for the the podcast, I don't. I've only seen it straight through, start to finish, once, maybe twice. Agreed. I've seen a bunch of parts of it, clips of it sections quotes but not start to finish like this is a a hole in my game i don't i have not seen this a lot agreed agreed i think i saw it um freshman year of college i think sepna had it on recorded vhs yeah and that's how that's how i saw it and it was maybe like you like you once or twice (laughs) and that's it and a lot of it I have to say I might have had um, memory retention issues at the time I watched it. (laughs) So like there seemed to be gaps in rewatching it this last time. I'm like, Oh, I only vaguely recall this. Like I couldn't remember a lot of detail at all. (laughs) There are quotes from this movie that we would say in college that I forgot were from this movie. Yeah. Like, yeah. Illusion. Well, oh, and I and I actually forgot the context of them, but um, yeah. from a movie at least. And you know, I I can't remember exactly where I saw this, but I might have seen it um, 
immediately as it came out on VHS, uh, Michelle, my older sister was dating a, a, a guy who was even older than she was. And he was a huge, uh, Charles Grodin fan. And, well, he's, you know, movie yeah. buff anyway. And we had gotten into some of his other movies like real life and, yeah. you know, seventies movies that Grodin was in. And so I think he immediately was gravitated, gravitated toward this movie. And so therefore I saw it early. And then I did like get reacquainted with it, uh, about the same time running, but, um, yeah, there, I mean, I know we're, we'll get to the general impressions, but there was just, uh, a lot more there on, yeah. the, on this viewing when I did it from start to finish than I, than I remembered. So we were going to do a different movie this time around. It was going to be Stripes or something else. Yeah. And then Charles Grodin died May 18th. And as we were talking online back and forth in various threads, throwing out quotes and stuff, I'm like, oh, we have to do this movie. This has yeah. to be the next one we do. And so here we are. Um, I was going to create a game for this, a new game for this movie, but it's, it was clear it would take too much time and research and I wasn't going to do it. But, uh, so. <laughs> Attaboy. Attaboy. Yeah, well, you, you'll see the, the reason why. <clears throat> so this movie, I think is one of the best movies is a very specific niche, uh, uh, movie or niche, niche uh, situation category. This is one of the best movies where the title is clearly said in the dialogue inside yes. the movie. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's you know when when he said it in in uh, in the in the pitch to Jack to get him to take the job. Um, on, I'm, I'm like, yeah. I'm like that is an old movie rule yeah. that has fallen out, which is at some point there has to be at least an image or a reference to the title. Right. And I'm like, well, they, they, they are like in the first 10 minutes of this movie, we are checking oh, this box. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so putting one word names aside, like inception or something like, okay, right. fine. Or the name of the person, Rocky, no, that counts. Gremlins. Uh, no. Um, my quick, ultra quick off the top of my head short list includes so these are all said in, in the movie <laughs> I, can't, I can't believe you sat and brainstormed well i got uh five the breakfast club uh-huh yeah that's good as good as it gets a clear and present danger oh yeah <laughs> yeah you, you knew it was coming back to the future and minority report those are all relatively recent ones, I guess, or you know, I'm yeah. not going back 60 years. You know, another category inspired by Back to the Future, I want three sentence, or excuse me, three word sentences or phrases that are movie pitches. Oh. For example? I want to do a movie called Back to the Future. <laughs> that to me is like the whole movie right there. Like it's the pitch. Yeah. The elevator pitch is the title. Yeah, yeah. Not even elevator pitch. It just has to be like a haiku, like, like that. Narrow. Lost Ark. Right. Okay. That's yeah. There you go. I got it. We, okay. We the Fast and the Furious. <laughs> they they may be the greatest example of that. <laughs> We're just going to be crazy, angry, and destructive, and drive really fast. Right. Okay. Look, okay, it took me more words to say it than that. <laughs> All right. This movie was directed by Martin Brest. And we know him from Beverly Hills Cop, Scent of a Woman, Joe Black, and Geely. <laughs> Apparently, Geely was his last movie, and, and that just destroyed him because I don't see him anywhere after that. He, he disappeared. That's 
he did all these movies in the 80s and into the 90s and then he was gone mm-hmm. so um but that i mean he was on a huge streak obviously yeah, he had other he had others as well but he had a bunch in a row that were great and he was like building this career and almost said in geely and he's gone right so i mean fucking j-lo fucking rightly so j-lo uh so watching this movie it was clear to me that this is i mean this is de niro at his most de niro-ness like so in he has a, a little run here uh in a three or four year span of the untouchables midnight run and goodfellas and he's in his late 40s he's just De Niro at an 11, I think. Was this before or after Cape Fear? Before, but just barely before. Yeah. I mean, he had a very... <laughs> Cape Fear was like 93. Was it that late? Like that. Yeah. Oh, okay. I was thinking <clears throat> yeah. 90 or 91. Yeah. No, the, Brendan, though, the thing that, that I was surprised to go back and then think about a little bit was, you know, I know we'll get into casting, but, you know, De Niro was sort of considered risky for the amount of money they were putting into the movie. Right. Because he wasn't a huge star. I mean, obviously acclaimed for the Scorsese films and some, you know, King of Comedy and the, and the other um, you know, movies that he, he was so lauded for. But he was never, like, a huge box office guy. No. So... And it was it's just, it is interesting that, that he was almost... Um, some of those movies, like Goodfellas, he was going to get anyway, right? Because Scorsese wanted to argue them. But, you know, it, it's interesting. Would there be a Meet the Fockers or, or whatever the first title was yeah. if, if he think, wasn't successful I here? I think the um, – that's your Meet the Parents, right? Um, yeah. That's, that's your premise. Um, <laughs> there you go. Oh, there you go. <laughs> but he, this goes back, Brendan, to your discussion that you want to have at some point, which is movie star. Right. It, and so, like, Rob, we were talking about, like, who are the biggest movie stars in the last 30 years? And there's a difference between, even. you know, uh, oh, yeah. somebody like Tom Cruise, who's like, you would argue is a movie star, or Tom Hanks, but is De Niro, or is he a great actor? Right. And not yeah, necessarily. I mean, Tom Hanks, I actually think he might be a great actor, too, but, but, it's it, like it, Bruce Willis. You, Bruce Willis tried really hard to try and be an actor, but he never got there. Right. So he's a movie star, I think. And we'll do a whole pot on this. But uh, the, the idea was the biggest movie stars of our lifetime or the past 50 years. Right. And because I, I had just heard something about Harrison Ford and they ripped they ripped off this. Well, he's yes, for sure. Right. So but they ripped off this 20 year, this unbroken 20 year span of hit after hit after hit in big movies and movies you love and movies you know and just unending run of domination by Harrison Ford for 20 straight years. Right. It was crazy. Right. But I bring it up, Robbie, because you were just talking about, you know, De Niro at this point had done great movies, but was he... Had won an Academy Award, you know what I mean? To be yeah. the lead in this kind of a movie. Right. So when I say that De Niro is his most De Niro-ness. I mean, when people do a Robert De Niro impression, it's of this period <laughs> of his life. It's these three years of his life. Yeah. It's the facial mannerisms, the yeah. way he, 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 he when, speaks differently in this movie than he does in some other movies. When he extends that upper lip to do like that little, <laughs> like there's, there Absolutely. is a, a specific 
De Niro-ness that comes out that nobody else does. So when we get to trivia, let's compartmentalize and make sure we don't bleed into the casting. Cause I have more recap, like more casting information. I do trivia stuff. Um, it's funny you say this, Brendan, because yeah, I don't know, you know, in the format of the podcast, like typically I feel like these are siloed things. And for some reason, the recasting and some of the trivia they they all yeah. seem very interwoven. And like, it was incredibly hard to recast this movie. And I know we'll get to it because of the original cast that was thought of and discarded was insane like there were so many great options that they were they were looking at yeah yeah we'll get there i have i don't know what's going on with the 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 casting information i have because it's it's ludicrous okay Uh, it seems like literally every big name you could ever think of i don't yeah i I don't think anything let's not do that yet but uh yeah sure it's it's weird information i think yeah okay it definitely didn't invent this, but it was a new, it was a somewhat new twist on the odd couple comedy, the, the buddy comedy, the road trip movie. Right. I mean, it's side by side with Tommy Boy, Planes, and, Planes Trains, and Automobiles, Thelma and Louise, even Lethal Weapon, even though they're not cops necessarily. They, at one point, they kind of both play FBI right. agents, but uh, in 48 hours, this, of all those movies, this is more under the radar than all of them, but I think it's as effective as every one of those movies. I would agree. And I, I guess I may have been somewhat ignorant of the, <laughs> of how highly regarded this movie was. Yeah. Everyone loves it. Yeah. I know, but I loved like, it, but I didn't think it was as widely loved. Right. As I know. And like yeah. where it falls on, like, know. you know, best comedies of all time. Like I, I don't know how I miss the boat this big on this movie. The fact that I, I mean, I watch movies repeatedly, the same movies multiple times. Like how this one didn't get into rotation. That's what I mean. Like it's a hole in my game that sure I've seen it, but it's not on heavy rotation. I haven't seen this that no, but I feel like even if I look at movie lists, you know, where they talk about the best movies of all time or the best comedies or this, I don't know why this movie doesn't stick in my brain that this keep that it shows up regularly. It's not like, on it's, TV. It's not on cable. It never yeah, comes up anywhere. It's so strange. It is odd. It, it, it was hard. I had to dig around a while to find to rent it, but um, it's it's uh, it it was more widely recognized, and I think a lot more um, depth and value was, was placed at least in the like Ebert's review and Siskel's review were like, they loved it very thoughtful about it. And I, you know, I think they were really commending the uh, director and I think 48 hours, which did breast, he did Beverly Beverly, uh, Hills cop, right? Yeah. Yeah. 48 hours I think is underrated for the relationship between Nolte and Eddie Murphy. And I think Eddie Murphy actually did a lot of the work there, but um, this was the first one that, among that list of things that you just read, um, there's a real, like, there's an emotional weight and like intimacy that like you don't normally, just because these guys right. killed it. The plot was not hard. No, you know, it was not complicated. This is the, but they, I mean, they killed it. They, and this shows though, what a, what a, you know, better than average set of people behind the movie in terms of the director and writer, yeah. like Groden said, it was the best script he ever read off right. the bat. 
Um, it's funny because there's but, there's really but no they just, plot. But they accelerate it. It's all dialogue. Right? Yeah, I was just gonna. Yeah. the plot was yeah. easy to come up with. You know, it's it to going back to your no nonsense plot. It's really straightforward. It's not a complicated situation. Except it for the is, mafia part, is get this guy from A to B. The end. Right. right? There's a, that little mafia bit, but uh, yeah. Right. It's crazy. But it, it, like Rob, it is the dialogue. It's the banter. It's the nonverbal responses to. It's De Niro almost breaking about four different times that I rewound fifty times. Yeah. Yep. And I could watch Charles Grodin's face all day in this movie. Like, oh, yeah. just, it is so delightful. It's so <laughs> delightful when he says something to De Niro just to wind him up. He, <laughs> On that front, uh, uh, I'm sorry, Allison. Remember when Jack's credit card keeps getting yes, rejected? That's a great, that's a great. <laughs> that's what we were talking about. <laughs> and, and, and Grodin's just like, like give that, give it a googly eye to the clerk. It was yeah. so great. When you watch that scene, you should not look at De Niro right. at all. Well, because you should. I've I've watched it a hundred times, and ninety-seven of them, I was watching De Niro get angrier, and I just happened to remind myself of. And it's the best part of the scene. It's grown. It's grown. I could not stop laughing last night when I was he's watching. Not even censored in the shot. Like he's. Like just from a cinematography angle, he's hard to find right. with your eye, like, and he's so. Good. I think <laughs> Charles Grodin is playing two parts in this movie. One is the things he's saying. The other one, his face is doing something completely different. It's two different performances. It's it's pretty insane. Well, so, it's very. It's a very like there is the on the surface yeah. part of the character, right. and then it's the undercurrent that. Everything is very intentional and very methodical to just like poke just enough to make some make De Niro uncomfortable. But it's always like this innocent, like I'm just an accountant. That's I'm, why Grodin you know, was so it's good. It's so good. Um, so one thing I want to point out uh, when this movie starts, I was a little like taken aback by the theme song. It's <laughs> I wrote the same thing. Really kind of in your face. And it's extremely <laughs> the first line on my young son's notebook, opening guitar slash horns. What's up? Right. <laughs> I feel like right. though, I, I had the same reaction. I had it in my head last night was every eighties movie, like soundtrack is horns and saxophones, right. like just blaring in your face. But this so this song is very generic 80s movie song. And then I looked it up, as you just mentioned, Rob. It's fucking Danny Elfman did this whole sound, the whole soundtrack. Mm-hmm. He, he, he composed all the songs and wow. all the music. This year he had uh, Batman and Midnight Run. Oh, my God. And then when you go look at his... Uh, IMDb. Yeah, he he's the second to John Williams, or maybe Randy Newman. Yeah, I guess, right? like, we the song, the movies that we know Danny Elf, Elfman did, you know, with Tim Burton or whatever, and a few things here and there. Okay, fine, we know a half dozen of them. But you look at no, this thing, and it's seventy movies long. Yeah, every movie. It's incredible. Up. Yeah, yeah, it's an incredible run. Uh, oh no, uh, he did Beetlejuice and. Uh, this in the same year, not Batman. 
Batman was the year before, I guess. Yeah. In 87? Is Batman it? was 87, wasn't it? Or 80, 89, whatever. Yeah, I think so. Uh, okay. So this movie that everyone loves, box office-wise, not so lovable. Oh. It did okay. Uh, so let me give you the top 10, and I'll give you where Midnight Run falls. Okay. In 1988. Number one, Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Mm. $106 Wow. You went, so, side note, we all went to the theater for that, right? Of course. Yes. I don't know that I I absolutely did. I don't know that I Child abuse. I I think I made up for it working at Toonville and watching it (laughs) 8,000 times. I will tell you, uh, (laughs) well. (laughs) My goodness. I'll tell you which of these movies I didn't go see, because otherwise I saw them all in the theater. Okay. Uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Coming to America, 128 million. Mm-hmm. Went, went and saw yeah. that one. Good Morning Vietnam, 122. Mm-hmm. Went and saw that. Big, 114 million. Mm-hmm. I saw that. Yeah, put, it, put a little star there. Yep. Yeah, right. We'll come back to that one. Uh, Crocodile Dundee 2. <laughs> I think <laughs> that I went and saw that one. <laughs> I'm not positive. That's not good. Uh, three Men and a Baby, Ooh. 90 million. Oh, this is terrible. Die Hard, 83 million. I saw that. Uh, number eight, Moonstruck. I did not see that in the theater. <laughs> you didn't snap out of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, nine, Cocktail, 78 million. Saw that. Oh, Poplin's Law. And Beetlejuice, number 10, at 73 million. Midnight Run was way down at number 26 Whoa. at 38 million. Whoa. But a, a moneymaker, though, right? If it, I, the budget to make it was $30 million and it made. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. So barely scraped by. Hmm. Yeah. So, Rotten Tomato score. Okay. Audience. What did the audience give Rotten Tomato? Uh, hey, Brendan. Um, sir? I need to. Uh, uh, disclose something that you looked at as I was tooling around the Google machine. I saw a critic's Rotten Tomato, so I withdraw from or recuse myself from voting on the, on the critics. Part? All right, yeah, I did not see the. So, the, what do you think the audience gave it, Slim? Um, I actually think they're gonna be uh, well, I can't, I don't want to say anything. Uh, I'll just give you a straight out number. I will say they thought 89. All right, that's too high. I just uh, feel it. I'm already. gonna say 84. Critics or the audience uh, gave it uh, an eighty-seven, seven percent. And Al, what do you think the critics gave it? Eighty-four. Eighty-four. Mm-hmm. Add ten, ninety-four. Really? The critics gave it a ninety-four. Wow. Yeah, I was shocked when I saw it. I mean, that's that's an impressive number. <laughs> that's number. A, yeah, that's a really big number. Like I felt eighty-four was like. No, but I mean, on a movie that clearly the viewers loved. Yeah. Like, oh, I mean, there's not a lot of 87s out there, and they were like, oh no, take it up a notch. I could have wow. easily seen the critics not being into this one. 94%. That's. Oh, I th- Brendan, I think you just laid it out, though. The formula was let's challenge two really good actors with just the most basic plot of all time. Yeah. And, and not really, there's a couple of action scenes that are, you know, executed pretty good, I guess that there was more, that, that desert car chase was more impressive than I remember, yeah. but 
we're just going to make you talk the whole time. Right. And uh, that's, they, they definitely pulled that off. Okay. Trivia. <clears throat> uh, all right. I'm going to try to not get into the casting stuff. I'm gonna... right, so that's what I'm saying about the interrelated nature. You can't, right. it's all casting almost. I'll throw a couple things out there. <clears throat> Dennis Farina, our guy, Chicago cop or ex Chicago cop, uh, shot all of his scenes in Las Vegas because he was also shooting Crime Story there as well. Yeah. So everything with him is in Vegas. Fine, great. And oh, and that was the Ve- was that the Vegas airport at yeah. the end? McCarran. Okay. Yeah. McCarran. Uh, oh, if that carpet could talk. Ew. <laughs> <laughs> it generally goes for most carpets, but definitely for that carpet. Yeah. How many times have you slept on that carpet? Oh, God. <laughs> I, several times. <laughs> I definitely... Not to, I mean, my body on it. My head was usually on a duffel bag or stranger's feet. Yeah, I was just going to say, exactly. it better be somebody's shoes. A crumpled up uh, bag of, of McDonald's. McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> that and my last $8 by two versions of the Sunday New York Times. Oh, so I love... Hello. <laughs> Uh, the famous litmus configuration scene was mostly improvised. Yeah, and an some interesting sub improvisations in there too. Um, you know, he does turn to the guy uh, (laughs) next to him, but apparently, as I read at least, there were several other takes where he was off. They got into greater dialogue, and obviously, the extra wasn't prepped with lines. No. But can you imagine Charles Grodin's just going to start riffing with you and right. like you're some local yokel? That guy should have got like a best supporting actor. And supposedly, the, as the story goes, one of those outtakes was, so have you ever gone to prison? <clears throat> and yeah. the guy responds, yes. And he's like, what for? Murder, but I didn't do it. <laughs> so great. <laughs> Fucking extra. <laughs> Grodin's like, security. Yeah. <clears throat> Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. That whole thing. What's your name? Red. Yeah. <laughs> Did you dye your hair? No. No. Why I call mean, you Red? Because of my name, my last name. What's your last name? Wood. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Ray or uh, God damn it, Allison. I I put what on my notes. Just like what the what? That was a great line. Uh, Can we just pause for a second though on the improv? So I was convinced after a couple scenes, which I'll run through that like this was far more improvised than I thought. And then I tried to back it up and I couldn't really back it up other than a few key examples. Well, I thought Charles Grodin was given far more license than apparently he was. Only a few times where it's purely um, off the rails, but I, I think they always, did like sort of structured improv where they're like, we need to get these plot points moved along and establish these ideas. But, um, you know, that stuff made it in and, you know, everyone knows the, you know, you ever, you ever fucking animal Jack line was, was improv. And most of that seems apparently was improv, but I think unless I'm just completely crazy, the entire x-ray scene when De Niro's smoking on the bus, I mean, Groden is killing him. Like he's on the verge yeah. of busting like yeah. three times. So 
I mean, they all said, no, it was a well-written script and everything else, but I'm, I'm not buying it. I'm like, I just feel like there was way too much loosey-goosey That's, going on. That was hilarious. But. They wanted Groden to go at him once or twice, and Groden went at him six times. Right. Like, it has yeah. to be. Uh, it just that part was just more. That's one of the things that I totally um, recognized in the second time around here. Or, the idea to have Jack Walsh continually checking his watch and the whole backstory of that was De Niro's idea, which seems that one seems like that sh- should have been in the script. How is that yeah. an improv by De Niro or an addition by De Niro? I don't know. Well, I, it, it goes. There was some throwaway line in one of the trivia lists about the relative research and like prep yeah. that the two actors did oh, where yeah. De Niro went like LA cops and <laughs> Chicago cops and interviewed Bill Bondsman and you know everything else and Charles Grodin you know talked to his business manager about accounting yeah. <laughs> but but the, that idea that you needed to have some kind of emotional weight I thought was that was like a yeah again like a deeper level of the movie than I you know originally thought of now, did you guys see this, that the train scene in Flagstaff, Arizona, act, uh, actually prevented a real kidnapping? <laughs> that is amazing. <laughs> so they had all these police cars and people in police outfits walking around and doing their thing. And there was uh, a kidnapper or a, a guy who was going to kidnap or, or take this uh, woman uh, from a uh, uh, coffee like shop or something, diner, or something diner and uh he got spooked by all the cops and instead of you know taking her on the, on the train or whatever he's gonna take her and uh just they like, threw her down and ran away crazy that's awesome <laughs> fucking real, real kidnapping so i that's all i have for trivia you guys can add whatever you want i have much more in casting stuff so the only thing that I saw that I laughed at because it goes, it harkens back to um, Bandit colon Bandit Bandit. <laughs> yeah. Which was, there were three sequels to this movie. Oh, yeah. None of which were in the theater. They were <clears throat> all made for TV movies, but one was, the first one was another <laughs> Midnight Run. The second one was Midnight Run Around, and then the third was Midnight Run for Your Life. Um, they better say the title in the I know. movie too. Midnight <laughs> in the in the first ten minutes, right? Yeah, yeah. Midnight Run colon Midnight Run. Yeah, yeah well, I, that, I, learned, that, I learned something today that there were sequels. I did not even know that. Yeah, there was. I did. And De Niro nor Groden are in either one. Yeah, uh, and any shocking. of them, of course. But I did shocking. see that De Niro at one point was considering doing an actual sequel, um, like in 2010 or yeah. something like that, through his production company, but it never happened. I had that at the end when we talk about, do you want to see a sequel of this? But yeah. the, he was going to do, was planning a remake or a sequel with this production company, Tribeca, back in 2010. Yeah. Nothing ever happened from it, obviously. Yeah. But You know what? I, I think that we've lost track of a little bit in the old uh, U.S. film industry. <laughs> it, I think they used to take, like, you know, um, Newman and Redfield or whatever. They would take folks that had chemistry and go find a completely right. different movie, right? right? And, like, why couldn't there be a different plot and different characters? And maybe they kind of do the same thing, but that's what we want to see anyway. Why does it always have to be a sequel? I think they feel like right. the roles were so perfect that you've got to like create another scenario for those two characters. I'm like, 
I don't care. Give him like completely different story and let's yeah, see what happens. Sort of talking about like the Wes Anderson troop or the yeah, exactly the, perfect example. Yeah, you know where it's like Eugene Levy and um, Christopher Guest. Yeah, and, or uh, the two from um, the Edgar Wright movies, uh, uh, Simon Pegg and um, oh, yeah. Nick Frost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I mean those are all great examples, and, and obviously there's different ones throughout time. But I'm like, there's, I feel like so many iconic ones of the maybe this <laughs> one's on the outer edge, but even more recently, they just get discarded because oh well, we've seen them together already. I'm yeah, like, yeah. Crazy. Well, and you, when you find two big stars who have that kind of chemistry, why not do that? Uh, it's it's. I don't know. Uh, okay, I'm gonna dive into the casting stuff. Okay, and one one big uh, quick trivia because. I guess this is kind of casting, but I do we want to talk about one of the reasons why De Niro got more interested in taking this role was he was he was targeting big. Yeah. That's it. Wanted big. to be a big. Yeah. Which is in my mind kind of like a launching point and sort of an iconic thing for Tom Hanks. And obviously the piano scene in FAA, I mean, it's just sort of you know, used incessantly on these clips at the Academy Awards or whatever. Yeah. Can you imagine De Niro no. in that movie? But he was looking for the lighter sort of movies. I know. To all the dark stuff he'd done up until then. But uh, it, this is his light, or I guess later on we see him in Meet the Fockers, Meet the Parents. Yeah. Uh, he does it. But uh, Midnight Run's about as light as I need my De Niro. Like, you, you don't have to, you're not going to do big. Sorry, it's not going to work. No. No. Uh, okay. Um, I'm debating on where to go first on the casting. Let me go. I can't even, I can't even figure out how to talk about the I'm options. I'm going to go. I'm going to leave the two main characters for last and go for the other guys. <clears throat> Here's some of the people I saw for Jimmy Serrano. Okay. The Dennis Farina character. Okay. Ron Perlman, Dennis Hopper. Harvey Keitel, Ray Liotta. I don't know if I even believe that one. And Alec Baldwin. Coming off of Goodfellas? No, pre. Oh, years that, before. When the heck was Goodfellas? 91? 90. 90. Yeah. Mm. So mm. <clears throat> Goodfellas was Liotta's first movie. First big movie. Uh, he made it mm. something small before that, but I think he was like on soaps or whatever beforehand. Mm. So, yeah. Ray Liotta, three years before Goodfellas. Yeah. Wow. And, and I actually have him on some some options later, but yeah, that one's hard to believe. But the other ones all make sense, right? You yeah. can see oh, yeah. think almost all of them. Yeah. Kaitel, I think Dennis Hopper would be great. It'd be a good one. Uh, okay, Marvin Dorfler. I like both of these ones. John Goodman and yeah. John Candy. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. When they said Goodman, I was like, that would have been good, I think. Yeah. Really good. I think that it, only if he played him uh, as uh, Lebowski, <laughs> the same character <laughs> with the uh, yellow shaded sunglasses. Yes, all of it. Yeah, and a bowling bag, all of it. Uh, Joe Pantoliano, <clears throat> who from this moment forward will be known as Joey Pants. Uh, he was the guy who played uh, Eddie Marcone. Oh, he was given the opportunity by the director of breast to play one of the two goons that we liked. Yeah. <clears throat> and he both great goons. I have several. I know. Goons. And, uh, 
he said, no, I don't want to do that. I want to play the, the, the Duke part. I want to play Groden's part. Oh. And they're like, yeah, we're not, you're not even going to do that. So if you want to audition for Marcone, fine. But you're either the goons or you're Marcone. And he got Marcone right. by auditioning for it. And, and I think this is an award worthy. <clears throat> it's a small part. But he is so good in this movie. Yeah. He did, but the whole thing is just being a, a lunatic. It's just, it's yeah, no, I mean, it's not complicated, <laughs> but he just does well, it so well. I think he just, it's course. great. Yelling he goes from zero to 60, like in. Yeah, it doesn't hold back at all. That's the thing. Like, yeah. he knows that there's no middle point. No, yell, like, it's, yell into just, a phone and then smash it on the table yeah. and then. <laughs> Okay, let's start with the. No, and no matter where he is, he goes into that um, that Asian market yeah. and is like just like losing his at mind at the top of his lungs yeah. <laughs> at an Asian diner. Yeah, and demands their phone. <laughs> Let me give me that. Yeah, yeah, that's for me. Yeah, that's for me. Okay, Jonathan Mardukas, aka the Duke, the Charles Grodin character. The first one's easy. <clears throat> Albert Brooks turned down the role. Yeah. Albert Brooks would have been fantastic in that. Yeah. Had he done that. But. Well, hey, Brendan, yeah. can I just say, literally everyone you're going to say, I think for Walsh or particularly the Duke. Yeah. On paper, you're like, oh my God, that sounds amazing. That sounds amazing. That sounds amazing. And if you would have written down De Niro and <laughs> Groden on a piece of paper, oh, yeah. I would have been like, mm. Not having seen it, right? Right. So, right. Like, this is one of those things where I was actually talking to Ray about the people you're going to mention here, and she's like, "Oh, they all sound better than Charles Grodin." No, no, <laughs> or better than De Niro. Yeah, I'm going to argue that he is the only one that I like of the potentials because well, I think there's a bunch. The, uh, so I don't have that many for the Duke. Uh, we'll, we'll, let's let's see what we get to, but. So Albert Brooks turned it down, which to me says he was offered it, right? Uh, yeah. The other three I have as were considered are Bruce Willis, Bill Murray, and Steve Martin. Uh, and then I, those three, fine. Uh, Steve Martin would be good, I guess. I don't want. I don't care about Bruce Willis doing that. And Bill Murray. Well, so I think Bruce Willis. It might have turned like his career and. <laughs> Totally different oh, direction, yeah. but he's. I mean, that's interesting. I think Steve Martin could have done this yeah, well. Yeah. I think Bill Murray could have done it well. The other pairing I heard, though, and I think it's about the pairing, was Harrison Ford right. and Chevy Chase. Right. Yeah. That and a 1988 Chevy Chase is intriguing to me. But it's it's a completely different movie because Chevy Chase has too much. He's more of a dick. To do. He's more sarcastic. Yeah. It's it, yeah, it, he'd be yeah, he'd it be may like work, coming, but it's yeah. a different movie. Yeah. But I mean Chevy Chase and a guy like Harrison Ford who is not gonna take any no. bullshit. Like I feel like that might work well. Yeah. Right, you know? yeah, yeah. Yeah, I saw that as well. Um the other one that I saw, which was weird. I love I hope this is it. It is. Uh when Paramount Pictures had the movie early on. Uh, and they brought in Bress as the director. Uh, they wanted to cast Cher as the oh. Duke. 
share as the Groden roll. Snap out of it. That's, I was just going to say, Robbie, where's your line? <laughs> so the director said, we're doing Groden. So sorry. Yeah. And then Paramount said, okay, well, then we're out. We're done. And, oh. then, and then Universal picked it up and they wow. continued. But yeah. I mean, I got I to gotta say, maybe score one for the suits. It sounds like an intriguing idea. It does. Except it would be like snappy, sarcastic, tough on top. Right. I mean, like there wouldn't be any juxtaposition. Yeah. Really. And, and that's where hope it looks like, you know, the director saw what this could be and what the roles are. And they shouldn't be tough on tough. It should be. Yeah. No. Or. Yeah. Different. It wouldn't have worked. It, it would have come off as the stupid buddy movie that, you know. All of these are movies I would like to see in different versions. <laughs> Maybe. Alternative universes, we could have like a lot of midnight runs that we like. All right. Now, here's where it gets crazy for the Jack Walsh one. Um, so, I have a list of mm, every actor that was working in Hollywood in <laughs> 1988. It really is crazy. I don't know what to believe. Like, like I saw different ones and some of them make sense. Some of them don't make any sense. I can't believe all of these people were literally just say, go Google the top right. 15. It's crazy. Of the last 15 so years. I will run through them as quickly as possible, but it's insanity. Mel Gibson, Kurt Russell, Michael Keaton, Richard Gere, Burt Reynolds, Clint Eastwood, Charles Bronson, Whoa. Gene Hackman, Don Johnson, Tommy Lee Jones, <clears throat> John Travolta, <clears throat> Arnold Schwarzenegger, Sylvester Stallone, <laughs> Al Pacino, Jack Nicholson, Mickey Rourke, Jeff Bridges, Ryan O'Neill, John Voight, Michael Douglas, oh and Dustin Hoffman. Harrison Ford. This, so I... This list is so. It, it doesn't even. It doesn't nothing, mean anything. No, it's nothing. This is bad. We're we're getting bad. It's bad information. information. Yeah. Yes. Because I mean that that list is like. Uh, yes. If I was making a movie, I would want those people too somehow. Yeah. I didn't yeah. see anything else to uh, confirm or eliminate any of these, so I'm just. This is just nonsense. But I think some of these were like. I think this was like wish list, it was I on think. IMDb or something. Mm. So I think it's like one person added three names that they saw. Some other person added four more names that they uh, saw. And I think it's just, this is the combination of all that, yeah. but it's ludicrous. It, it's crazy. Yeah. Especially when I think De, De Niro got the role early on. He was attached thanks to the, to the director. I think he was like on from the get go. So I don't know how yeah. any of these people were considered at all. Like, I don't think that was even a possibility know why i have the reaction of when i hear a big list like that if it were accurate i'd be like these people had no idea what this movie was going to be like if they've got yeah it's like this shotgun approach of we're gonna ask a thousand Wait, people so for a lead role for you, you don't think they were auditioning all these people where dustin hoffman came in followed by arnold schwarzenegger well no but i'm just saying no of course not it's ridiculous it's, but I'm just saying, like, if they were like, oh, it could be this per, it could be these <laughs> so 15 people. Like, yeah. what, what are we? I mean, are, it just uh, feels a little. I don't. I always, whenever you get give a big list like that, I'm always yeah. like, either 
the list is wrong or these people didn't have a vision in, for what the character really was going to be because it's, it's no, a pretty it's, varied range it's crazy. that's uh, in there. In the past, there's been some information tied to it. This is just a list of names and yeah. uh, we are uh, communicating bad information right now. So Perfect. great. Well, good. But I do think a couple of those combinations could have worked. Yeah. Um, we talked about De Niro and Big. Uh, great. So, unless there's any further ado, it's time to recasturbate. Wait, you know, can, I, can we actually... <laughs> I gave him the chance to get in there and he didn't do it. Well, I didn't, I didn't know where you were going. I didn't know which thing you were going to. Um, for dramatic effect and nothing. <laughs> I have to do it once a show. Uh, so one further ado. Um, <laughs> so given the fact that we've already talked about the, 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 the value placed on the dialogue actually in the scenes coming off because the plot's so simple. Yeah. Um, so one of the things, and I, I know it's apparent, but uh, one of the things I clearly skipped over a bunch of the other times I've seen the movie is when Jack goes home to his ex-wife and his daughter. Yeah. And that is like, that's a real moment in a film and a, a dramatic moment. And I'm assuming it's what drove a lot of the um, reviews in the sense that like in, in the first, like that probably would have been the, what the first third of the movie. Yeah. You have a pretty, first of all, important scene and, and then pivotal in the plot and everything else that they just kind of nail. And it was, more emotionally hitting than I remembered this movie even approaching. But um, it just, I think goes again to show that there, there was some like the craziness, you know, that De Niro did for Cape fear or these other movies gaining weight or working out or doing it. He like brought the same shit here. Like he, he made the same kind of intense moves and preparation for this and kind of showed in those like, two or three scenes that were like it was that's where this becomes better than an average movie i think you know? it was interesting because it was the whole thing was just all awkward silences there wasn't a lot it, of, but like, so perfect you know yeah it was it would have been had this movie been made today it would have been much differently and more drawn out and more over the top in some way yeah. uh this is it was a kind of small little moment it was good but there were definitely moments where I was watching Charles Grodin oh, during that whole yeah. scene as him being like the barometer of how you're supposed to feel right. during that. Well, and sort of setting it up, right? In his mind, like he's responsible in some way for how this is going. In- yeah. All right. Recasting. All right. Let's do it. Mm. Better close the door. It's time to recasturbate. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to blow your mind. I've got a couple good ones. Um, all right. For the record, the ones we are doing are Jack Walsh, Jonathan Mardukas, the Duke, uh, Alonzo Mosley, Marvin Dorfler, Jimmy Serrano, Eddie Marscone, and then the bonus of the two goons. Yes. Oh, you don't have to do the two goons, but okay. We we like them so much, so I, I put them down. Like, I, I, I will say though that no one should ever replace these two goons because no. they are the greatest. <laughs> Recast them today in their eighties. Right. Fine. Great. Nice jacket. 
<laughs> when that one goon, the dumb goon, is staring at De Niro, it's so good. Oh my god! Uh, all right, do we start from the top? Sure. Oh, yeah, let's do it. Jack Walsh. I'll go first. All right. I do have three for this one. Yeah. I really have two, but I'll give you three. My number, no, I'm not even doing number three. Fuck it. Two. I have two now. Wow. Uh, I'm whittling down by the the moment here. Uh, Jack Walsh. My backup one is Bill Hader. Ooh. I've got, yeah. I've got him. I don't love it. I got him somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. only because of his portrayal of Barry on that show on HBO. Yeah, yeah, you got to believe he, he can kill somebody. Yeah. My number one, and I thought of this from the beginning, even during the movie when I was watching it, my number one is Ryan Gosling. Oh. Yeah, that's pretty good. I think yeah. he nails it. I think he pulls it off. Ow. That's pretty good. Um, so I've got... Three. I had a fourth, but I'm not going to say it. I had it as a backup in case you said one of mine. Yeah. Um, Will Smith. <laughs> I, I thought that too. Colin Farrell. Damn it. I thought that too. You had Will Smith. Does this become bad boys? Just right away. <laughs> <laughs> and number one that I really like is Jeremy Renner. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's really good actually that's very good uh, I, like I never would have thought because of. if you remember in the movie tag where <laughs> he's he plays enough of <clears throat> like this very serious guy but can like yeah. flash like humor and yeah. sarcasm and stuff like that that i really liked it i almost i didn't put him anywhere but i almost had Colin Farrell somewhere else. Okay. I didn't use him at all. I thought Colin Farrell could do it. Um, and, and, and this is half uh, for the laughs, but I thought it, it, if you weren't so small, I thought Kevin Hart could do it. <laughs> I considered Kevin Hart in a number of places. Yeah, I did too. Yeah. I, I, did, I mean, he would have to tone down the overexpressiveness, but... The anger he could get to, you know, silence and rage. He could do. He could he do the silence and that. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Uh, Al, why don't you start with Mardukas? Oh God, I had so I this. This is one of the hardest ever to do. Really? Oh, I, I found it easier I found than it, I thought it would be. I found it really hard until I found my first one that I got. Um, but the guy just really does own it. So you got to have to think of just people that would be well and respectful of the role before <laughs> Allison starts. Uh, who is, is there? There is no modern day Charles Grodin. Like there is no, no that deadpan, like setup guy that can Grodin. actually act. Yeah. It's hard. Like you can't, I mean, I think I've got a couple of them, but so I've got, I'm a, I've got three. Yeah, just give us three and then we can... Damn it, Allison. I know we're going to be the same. I don't know that we are. She is one of my staples. (laughs) I tried to change up your gender, but I I did Kristen Wiig. No, Melissa McCarthy. (laughs) No. (laughs) Yes, probably. If you think about that irritating kind of... (laughs) 
the ability to carry on a conversation yes, with two people absolutely yes, like just continually yes. like drawing it out like she- yeah, yeah i mean it's great it's a, it's a great pick it's a great pick it's a little- second one aubrey plaza yeah uh-huh. i like that one. yeah that's a good one too and then like um too. vince vaughn i thought about him in a bunch of places too i got him i got him reappearing but Aubrey is a great one too. That those are those are both good. I like the Aubrey one. The Melissa McCarthy to me, she's too big for that role. Like she's just too too much personality. Yeah, it's just too. Yeah, but you know what? She's, she's, did you see her in that 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 show where she was plagiarizing the yes. rare letters yes. or whatever? Yes, she can do the. Yeah, she, she can do it. All right, uh, I'll do mine. My number three. That show. Did you see the show that she was in? The show. <laughs> that movie? The program. Uh, my number three is Ty Burrell. Oh. The, J- Jonathan that's really good. I think, really good. So that's a great call. That's a great call. He's, he would do well. I thought of him right before the podcast. Uh, my number two was Jason, Jason Swart, Schwartzman. Oh. <laughs> Ooh. That's a great that's movie. Really I like pretty him. funny. Yeah. I think he he's good. The first guy I thought of, and I'm gonna stick with him as my number one, is Joseph Gordon Levitt. Oh. oh that's good too. I think Ty Burrell might be my winner Ty in the Burrell clubhouse. is definitely really good. Yeah. That's really good. Sort of came out of left field. I'm like, ooh, yeah. Hey, that I think because only because I think Joseph Gordon Levitt is a little too young appearing, but yeah, um possibly. But Ty Burrell, everyone, you know, obviously knows him as the goofy dad, but yeah. he plays like the dick really well. Yeah. I mean, if you, yeah. like Dawn of the Dead is a good example. Yeah. But he's there's, got a bit of that dry stuff that uh, Grody yeah. does so well. Yeah. Like he, yeah. Be good. yeah. He's basically the dad on Modern Family without being loving. Yeah. Right? Just like <laughs> the shitty edge. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I. I thought it was like required to say Ryan Reynolds might be able to do it, but I think he'd be so much over the top and no one would believe that he could do math. So like he couldn't be an accountant. Um, But the other two I have here, I really have a favorite, but I think they both could do it. Steve Carell and Jason Sudeikis. Oh, (laughs) I definitely thought of Carell. And then I got caught up. I th- I, th- I think he's too old. That, that's where that's my own hang up of the yeah. age thing. But yeah, but I think Jason Sudeikis actually could nail. He this. could yeah. do pretty good. Yeah, I he can be the touching and the sarcastic and the. I thought he would be great. I ha- I had kind of my bonus as uh, Will Ferrell and Paul Rudd. Oh, those are good. Paul Rudd, I like. <laughs> I, Will Ferrell can he can know, be understated, and I think it would be fun. I think I it would know. be funnier if it was him almost playing it straight. But I again, get, that needly I get hung up with Will Ferrell because whatever he's in, it becomes a Will Ferrell movie to me. Like he's such a presence, you know. Yeah. That's my only. <laughs> She's like, no. All right. yeah. uh, I still like my other ones better, but <laughs> Alonzo Mosley. I think Jeremy Remmer, Remmer is good for Walsh. That's yeah. my favorite pick so far. Nash, why don't you start with Alonzo? These were terrible. <laughs> I couldn't come up with any. Um, 
I thought John Hamm could be an exasperated, and he has been a federal agent before, so it's not great. Um, and then that's this is where I thought Ray Liotta could actually do it and yeah. be interesting. But um, I thought Mackay Pfeiffer, and not just be swapping African American for African American, but I thought he has that like experienced, grizzled like attitude. Yeah. yeah. Um. I, yeah, I don't like my third one. Okay. But I'm going to say it anyway. Uh, My third one for Alonzo is Chiwetel Ejiofor. I butcher his name every damn time. If you were hooked up to a lie detector, I would have spiked. Yeah. (laughs) Your heart heart really I don't know how to. (laughs) You need a breath? Uh, I think one of my, the chambers of my hearts has stopped beating, start <laughs> pumping blood. Um, so you have my third. I don't love it, but I put him in there. Uh, my number. <laughs> I almost hurt myself. My number. For, a moment. I know. I, I, for those of you listening, I could see Allison really, pull, I, it, it almost approached a stroke, I think. I took a sip and I couldn't decide what I was going to do with it. <laughs> my, uh-huh. That was a play in three acts right there. <laughs> Lord. My second place is Michael Shannon. Oh, I've got him somewhere else. Of course. Of course. I've got him somewhere else. My number one is sort of a go-to. Uh, it's almost too easy. It's Idris Elba. Oh, I yeah. It, I actually think... Uh, straight roll. Shannon would be great. Of course, yeah. I always think he would be great, but he'd be great at the anger at the. So the goons are two great side roles, but the idiot FBI agent who always keeps saying the worst thing oh, at the worst yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's an awesome role. It's so good. And Alonzo's look at him every time is so, so good. great. It's so great. Um, so I've got uh, Sterling K. Brown. Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Jamie Fox, yeah, and my top one, and she is a often a frequent go-to for me is Regina King. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She could do it. That's good. She could do just about any of this, but yeah, that'd be good. I just like her. I want to see her face react to that guy that you were just talking about, Rob. She's good when she's pissed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, Marvin Dorfler. <laughs> All right. Hey, hey, Brendan, can I, I have to give credit to Rachel, my beautiful bride. She uh, helped me on this, but it was so funny. I, uh, we were sitting down. I'm like, I need your help to recast. Say, All right. And so I'm, I'm ripping off the characters and the age, ages of the actors at the time. And I'm, and I'm like, Marvin, She's like, Marvin, oh, the other bounty hunter? I'm like, yeah. How old is he? 55? (laughs) (laughs) And and I go, no, Brennan says he was 40 at the time of the movie. And she's like, that's a 1980s 40. Right. (laughs) That's what we're seeing with a lot of these movies. Anything pre-1990, all the ages are skewed. Uh, it's, It's very... Well, I mean, he arguably looks like he's older than De Niro yeah. or Farina. Yeah. yeah, 
I mean, well, he, uh, he, but he's the youngest guy in the in the cast. He plays the older uh, cop or sergeant or whatever in Beverly Beverly Hills Cop. Yeah, uh, uh, Eddie Murphy, and he's only forty, and he's, he plays fifty five in that one. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, Dorfler. Uh, my number three is a throw-in, uh, so I really have two. Uh, Jason Momoa mm-hmm. was my number three. Yeah, that's uh, funny. <laughs> kind of a dummy, you know, like dummy but yeah. smartish. Yeah, that's good. Nope. That's good. Um, Tom Hardy. No. <laughs> oh, here we go. That's his place. The one I like, and I, I think he, uh, I can't believe anyone would say anything else, but this guy is Russell Crowe. Oh, I think he. I thought about him, but yeah, um, especially at his fattest, like his a fat Russell. Right, Crow. Russell Crowe and my Jack Walsh, Walsh is Ryan Gosling, and they were in that movie together, the Tough Guys, the Wise Guys. Oh uh, yeah, oh yeah, that was a good movie. Yeah, so that was actually way better than I movie. thought it would be. Yeah, uh, they're in that together, and I want that pairing in my yeah. Hunters. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, that was a good movie. Yeah. Um, so I've got Leslie Jones doing a totally different part, but I like that is a different take on there. Number two, Mark Wahlberg. Oh, and number say hello to your mother for me. (laughs) And number one, unlimited budget is Jason Statham. Yeah, kind of yeah. playing that similar character in Spy, where like he thinks he's way better well, than he is. I think you're essentially rewriting the the uh, character too. A bit. F- yeah. Fine, it's yeah. for the for the for the actor. You have to. I'm just thinking about different bounty. Hunter. He's less of a burnout and a dope, and more of a. I'm thinking about who's the guy that's going to thwart. Jack Walsh yeah, yeah, yeah. every step he goes yeah. and it's going to be that type of character. Yeah. But I, I did say Jason Statham as number one, but I really think it's Mark Wahlberg for me. <laughs> Wahlberg. I think, well, you need a little bit more bumbling, but that's the thing is like, he was actually pretty smart in the movie. Um, so this is actually from my, my bride's recommendation. She actually is, to my side here. She just came downstairs. But um, I know the age, I know the age doesn't work, but Matthew McConaughey, I thought could be a oh. good fool. All right, all right, all right. There's, no, more of the true detective burnout phase of Matthew McConaughey. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. That's all I got. That was my, I, I, Whoa. Yeah, we got one. Wow. Now. I was having trouble. Gonna make up for it later. Yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> I do feel very good. I've submitted one entry and one entry only for Eddie. Oh, hmm, interesting. I, I can't wait. Let's do Farina. Let's do Jimmy Serrano. Jimmy Serrano. Uh, Al, why don't you start? This is where I have Michael Shannon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've also got Mark Strong. I, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the number one that I have is uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan. 
So I like him. That's good. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I've got three Serranos. Let's see. I don't know what order to put them in. Uh, okay, I'm going to go. Number three is Michael Imperioli, Spida. Oh. <laughs> Spida. Too small. Yeah. Too small. Maybe. Too, too diminutive. My number one is bigger, so you'll enjoy that one. Uh, number two, Oscar Isaac. Oh, yeah. As Jimmy Serrano. Number one, Sasha Baron Cohen. Oh my God. I mean, <laughs> that's just, that's just a Farina lookalike. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you're, yeah. well, yeah. you're wanting to do the, is this more on number one? Put on more on number two. Yeah. 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 I want him doing also one of the best I had to rewind. Yeah. Great. So great. That whole part. He's doing a Chicago accent. With a, a Farino salt and pepper hair. Yeah. yeah. Good. Not yet. Um, so for my Farina, I, I, I completely shocked <laughs> the uh, age requirement. Yeah. I, I couldn't do it. Um, so Ray Liotta was one I thought obviously could do it for obvious reasons. Um, then Vince Vaughn appealed to me there. I liked it. And I think he could have done more with it. So whatever, but I want to see, uh, he doesn't get in front of the camera all that often, but I want to see Robert Smigel. Uh, oh my God. What? Wow. <laughs> wow. The Chicago accent. So I came out of nowhere. Yeah. I thought about putting De Niro as my Serrano as opposed to Lee. Well, if you're shooting it today, yeah, yeah that's what you he's, do. He's way too for old. You, for you to think about De Niro, he's way too old. That's why he didn't make my list. I'm just saying. Uh, he's way too you know, old. But again, Farina was 44, right? So that's a 1988 44 because he looks every bit of 55. 59, well, yeah. One other thing, though, that uh, I must mention because Rachel said it last night. She thought the best pairing for Walsh and the Duke were uh, was me and Joel Riley. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! Pretty good. Sounds about right. Uh, Eddie, I just. I just popped down because I wanted to hear this part. Of the <laughs> but I must go back upstairs because I'm watching the movie Rock of Ages. Oh, okay. good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Bye, Rach. Good uh, evening. Good evening. Eddie Moscone, Joey Pants. Uh, you're going last, Rob, since you only have one person. Or do you want to go first? Uh, up to you. You feel very confident about your number one, don't you? Mm-hmm. I do. I do. All right. So if you go last, there's a chance we're going to say it. I think you're, I'm okay. okay. Uh, I'll, go, I'll go first, I guess. Okay. Uh, Eddie Moscone. Uh, I really only have two, but I have a third that. Eh. My third is Aaron Paul oh, from Breaking Bad. Yeah. The number That's two. That's very good, actually. Pretty good. The number two that I like a lot is. Giovanni Ribisi. Oh, yeah. Also very good. Those are two great ones. Solid. 
My number one comes out of left field. Yeah. Someone I've never said on the podcast before, but somebody else has. Uh, my number one for Moscone is Dave Franco. Oh, <laughs> that's pretty funny. That's an amazing number one. I like it. Uh, I think he he looks like uh, Joey Pants a little bit too. Yeah. Not exactly, but all right. Al? Um, so I've got the third one. It's a different character, but I'm tr- was trying to think of like who could go from zero to 60 and do that yelling a lot and would be kind of an unexpected person here. Mm-hmm. I've got Sarah Silverman. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's really good. Well, that's good. Um, yeah, I like that one. I've got Sam Rockwell. Yes. Yes. I like that one too. And Allison, I th- very strong, top to bottom. And I tonight. think though, I like Zach Braff being this <laughs> guy. All right. Well, <laughs> yeah, you, you had two home runs and then you tip that one off what? the end of the bat. Wow. Really? Oh, I thought it was, I really liked it. It, it, it's it sounds fine. It's fine. When it hits the outer part of your ear and then it gets in your brain, you're like, mm. yeah. I'm like, oh, then. Yeah. Oh, all right. I like the other two, though. All right. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> two out of three ain't bad. Those are good. All Those are both the, good. All the pressure's on Rob right now. I don't really, I mean, I'm not proclaiming it. Eddie Lestone. I just felt very comfortable with this. All lesson. right. Um, I'm throwing the age out again. And by the way, another credit to my wife. She's like, well, uh, what's the actor's name? I'm dropping the name. Not Joey P, right? Joey Pants. Yeah. Joey Pants. Yes. She's like, he's been ugly since the day he was born. <laughs> so, <laughs> wow. I know. So I felt like I could go older, but I think it'd be a different direction, but I just feel like, Interplaying with a tough guy, Jack Walsh, um, that David Spade would kill. Oh, that that's, oh that's actually really good. That's but good. he'd have to amp it up a little, but I think he would really yeah. be good at it. Yeah, that's good. Uh, the two goons. Yeah. I've, got, I've got a couple pairings here. I have one pairing and one pairing only. Okay. Uh, so the characters' names are Tony, Darvo, and Joey. Yeah. Joey's the dumb one. <clears throat> uh, so I picked them because they go together. Yes. <clears throat> Jonah Hill and Channing Tatum. Uh, <laughs> one in 21 jumps. Very good. I, I've actually got one now. That, that's good. I've got one, too. I've, I'll actually have two. I'm going to go with John Barenthal and Michael Pena. I tried to get Barenthal in this movie somewhere. One pairing. That's good. The other one, I feel like, is like a. I hit the triple word score. Is Tom Hardy and Charlie Day? Oh! Oh my God! (laughs) That I don't know how to beat that one. (laughs) When they're on the phone with. uh, uh, Oh, it's so good. They're on the payphone with Dennis Farina and. 
the one guy's talking to him, the other guy's like shadow boxing and hitting him in the shoulders. Oh my god! See this number here? It says fake fighting while on on payphone with Jimmy Serrano. It's so good. They're like our kids. We've got our boys like shadow boxing in front of like the Duomo and Florence yeah. and in you know like all Rome. They're like doing so this stuff. It's so good. I, their their role. Um, was way more frequent. Yeah, I don't remember that. that. And they were great. They were so funny. Like the whole movie operated just at like like they made a good picture. You know what I mean? Like they like made sure it had some laughs and moved along and everything else. And then you had these like big moments with with De Niro and, and Groden. But like all that other stuff is awesome. It's all funny. It's all great. It's it's great. It's great. Um so along, I just thought of this along the madcap way, and this would take the movie in like more of like a cannonball run. No, <laughs> please forgive me direction, but Dean Martin and Sammy Davis. No, I think it's Conan O'Brien and Andy Richter. Conan O'Brien and Andy oh Richter. Cause I can do a little Laurel and Hardy type, you know, it was like, the Irish mob. It's not so much the mob. Yeah. It would change a lot of things. So. <laughs> Oh that god. red pompadour. Oh my god. <laughs> Good god. All right. Uh, memorable scenes and quotable lines. We've said half of them already. I know. Uh, is this more on number one? Put on more on number two. Yeah. The best. Is this more on number one? Put more on number two on the phone. Uh, these things go down. It's too big. <laughs> when he freaks out on the plane. <laughs> No, 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 I can't. Just relax. I can't. Just relax. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What did I yeah, tell you? Yeah. Don't pull that shit on me. No, 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 no. I'm telling you, I'm telling you. I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. No, I can't. These things go down. All right. These things go down. They go. It's too big. It's too big. It can't go up. And, and, and just a side note, air travel as, as recently as 1988 was opulent. Yeah. It was amazing. First class cabin, I was like... <laughs> I have never seen anything like that. And I've no. been on a lot of big planes. It's just like, it's not. Yeah. I mean, Al, you probably have what, like 5 million total lifetime miles or whatever it is. And like, no, you never seen like that. No, it's ridiculous. Uh, These things go down. <laughs> I suffer from aviophobia. If you don't cooperate, you're going to suffer from fistophobia. <laughs> I... At first, like I chuckled and then I hated it, and now I love it. Like it, it. I've gone through the complete emotional cycle about fistophobia. One of the ones that I think is super underrated and under the radar is when Agent Mosley comes over. I forget they're uh, arresting him somewhere. I forget exactly uh, off of the train or something, uh, and he goes, "Hey, Agent Foster Grant." Oh. <laughs> Because <laughs> the fucking sunglasses are Foster Grant. Oh my god, that's quality writing right there. Well, uh, well, I think I'm assuming improv is Groden with. I'll have the tea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That long pause of deciding what they were gonna have. Uh, illusion and the coffee illusion. prices. Did you notice that in the diner? Yeah. 53 cents. 53 cents. That's awesome. 
Uh, yeah, the illusions one. We that's we talked about that one. The eggs in uh, Chipotle uh, or what? Uh, chorizo, chorizo. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the 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 simplicity and the stupidity, but it works. The Marvin, look, oh, look yeah. and he points and then he punches him in the face. I looked up how many punches are there. It's like be just three, the, right? It's more. I think it's more than that. Oh, it's so good. It's so stupid, but it's yeah. so good. Uh, when Serrano oh. is talking to his his conciliary or his business manager, or whatever, and uh, at the end he goes, "Sydney, sit down, eat a sandwich, drink a glass of milk, do some fucking thing." Mm-hmm. Great. <laughs> Perfect uh, uh, Farina. Yeah. It's great. We had talked about, of course, the bus station scene. It still is worth noting, again, him trying to buy that bus ticket, the bus tickets, and Charles Grodin's face during that whole exchange is so De Niro's terrific. So He's so aggravated. Ag- yes. Like, run it again. Run it again. And, 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 and he's willing to wage an all-in battle on just her running again. Right. Like, he doesn't want the ticket. He just wants to force her. I'm going to show my fake FBI badge. Run it again. Yeah. So great for the character and so perfect. Uh, It was, And then then Groden just eye-rolling in the corner is is awesome. That's good. Um, The other was the comment about um, the chickens. Yeah. And... I almost gave a few a shot. <laughs> that's improv and that's just Groden fucking with De Niro. Yeah. Which is great. I love but it. it was De Niro that came back with the yeah. I, I, I almost a gave a few a few a shot. So I mean that's the scene that obviously has the emotional weight and they actually sort of explain to each other that they could be friends or yeah. you know, even more. And um I mean more emotional than that. But the, the scene that killed me that in terms of just, I thought was so funny was they get on the bus. Well, first of all, the prevalence of smoking oh. that you just forget yeah. is amazing. It's awesome <laughs> to see. Actually. Like, you know, smoking on a bus, smoking in an office while you're waiting to get something, smoking at the airport counter, all of it. On a plane, <laughs> on a train, like everywhere. Anywhere, anywhere. So they're on the bus in Texas and Jack starts smoking and Charles, you know, Groden just goes in on like, you know, lung cancer and everything else. I mean, clearly Groden throws like three or four lines at him that he's just making up on the spot. And, 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 and De Niro's supposed to be angry, right? Like he's got to be angry the whole time. And he's like smiling three or four times yeah. and even pauses and like sucks it in a couple of times. It's so good. It's just I such a great see those outtakes. I didn't see them anywhere. Oh yeah. Amazing. Um, so you know, lung cancer, lung cancer. <laughs> we got to talk about Groden's wig or toupee or whatever he's got going on there. Uh, uh, yeah. Did you notice Some, it? Yes, of course. I was looking at it just because you, right. you know he wears something. Right. How much, whatever, I, who knows. But uh, I was trying to figure out, is that a good one? Is that a bad one? Is that just what all of them are? I was trying to do the math on, did they do a good job? Or I know, but if you, if, you never, 
if you can never get to the point where people can't tell they've done a bad job, right? Like, <laughs> Like it's all or nothing. It's like there's no eighty five percent. How can everyone be wearing a wig for different roles in movie? I don't know. Martin, and then Groden can't pull that off in real fucking life. Well, I would say who is Steve Martin's wig guy, and you should hire him because <laughs> that guy's got the best of all time, right? I I, I don't know. It's got to be one of the best. I mean, Woody Harrelson occasionally when they put him on in a movie oh, looks pretty good. I know. But Steve Martin, I mean, Steve Martin's been bald for like 40 years, I think. Uh, I don't know. The whole thing is baffling. Yes, it's not good. All right. Let's wrap this thing up with the how much are they worth game. And now let's play the how much are they worth game. We've got uh, Joey Pants, Yafet Kodo, John Ashton, Robert De Niro, Charles Grodin. Yes, we did De Niro in the Goodfellows podcast, but no one remembers, so it's perfectly mm-hmm. fine. Okay. Let's pull up our little thing here. Uh, Joey, how about Joe? Pan Toliano. Okay. Okay, he's got that Matrix money. Yep. He's in lots and lots of stuff. He's in uh, uh, Memento. Yep, Bad Boys. Bad Boys. Baby Stay Out, Goonies. Goonies. The Fugitive. That's right. La Bamba. Ooh, good one. Fugitive. Empire of the Sun. Really? Empire of the Sun. He's one of the, he's the guy that's kind of the hustler at the camp. Hustler. All right. He's got a lot going on here. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I'm not even sure what to make of this guy, but he's been around forever. Right. I've got a number. I've got a number. Nash, you got a number? 19 million. 19. I've got 31, Al. 20. Oh, we are all over the place. Okay. Let's pull this up. Joe Pantoliano has a net worth of, oh, $8 million. Oh, dang. Robbie. Mm. Nash gets it. Buy it. Only overshooting by eleven million dollars. Hmm. Well, he was in the Sopranos, La Bamba, yeah. Matrix, Memento, Goonies. Head cut off and put in a bowling bag. Risky business. Oh, that's right. Damn it. Okay, Yafet Koto. 
That guy's awesome. Or he was awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, Aliens. Mm-hmm. Or Alien, the first one. What else do you know? Okay, he has been in uh, Live and Let Die. Yeah, Alien, Bond. Running Man, Brubaker. <laughs> the Running Man, I forgot about the Running Man. He was terrible. Man. Oh my God. Brubaker. It looks like uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, One yeah. Later ones. Yes. Yeah. I'm skipping over a lot of ones I've never heard of. Good God. Yeah, I got um, Five Cards Stud. The Thomas Crown Affair in 1968. All right. I have a number. Hmm. Al, do you have one? Yeah. What do you got? Six. I've got seven. Rob? Mm. Mm. I went to 11. <laughs> I, he had to be lo- lower than Joey Pants. Yafet Kodo had a net worth of 5 million. Ooh. Allison gets it. Damn. I almost went lower, but I didn't. Shit. All right. John Ashton. Uh, yeah, he was also in Beverly Hills Cop. Who is he not in here? Some kind of wonderful. Hmm. We may have to make an audible here. I don't see him. Al, you got that last one right. She's having a baby. Yeah. We got to change it. He's not in the celebrity network. Is there ah. the other tool that you use? I don't know. I can try to find it. Is it. Has everybody written something down? No. I thought I had up his name and there was a, a line that allowed me to click on net worth, but I didn't do it. No. What? Uh, if you believe that. Let's do something else. So I saw the, I saw the, well, it's a, it's a what? Very wide estimate. Let's do somebody else. Um, how about let's Farina? do no. Yes, didn't we do Farina? We did Farina and Snatch, but who cares? Uh, let's do Dennis Farina. Yep. Farina. Okay. Chicago Cop. Snatch and this. Get Shorty, Crime Story, 20 Years of Law and Order. All right. Oh, God almighty. Oh, it, law and Order. Ryan, Ryan. All right. I got a number for I got a number. Marina. Al, what do you have? 20 million. I have 18. Rob? No. 12. Mm. Dennis Farina has a net worth of $8 million. Rob. Mm-hmm. Both of the ones that Rob has gotten, the real number was eight. 
Interesting. Conspiracy. <laughs> okay. Bob De Niro. This is crazy, always. Scorsese was the one that we drastically underbid, right? And that I drastically opened. not by two oh, billion. You over whatever? No, yeah. Uh, George Lucas was the one that we got. Uh, we were off by six billion dollars. Uh, but yeah, Scorsese was the one that you over. You did nine hundred. You did a billion. Or I something? did no. I did like <clears throat> six hundred and fifty million, and it was like one hundred and twenty-five million <laughs> yeah, or something yeah, like yeah. that. The original large miss until right. we got to Spielberg and George Lucas. Right. All right. I have a number. I cannot remember. We just did. I don't know. this. Stuff, I, I have no idea. We did this on the Goodfellas podcast. And we, I know. I can't remember. I can't remember. <laughs> uh, Rob, what's your number? 159 million. I said 250. I said 225. Because <clears throat> he's got that Tribeca. I know. That's why I said 250. Oh, God. I almost said this number too. Uh, Robert De Niro has a net worth of 500 million. <gasps> Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Whoa. I said 250 and I was halfway there. What? Taxi Driver, Raging Bull, Goodfellas, Godfather 2. Yeah, but none of those are big movies. Oh, we I just know. talked about yeah. this. But it's the it's the he, producer and director stuff. Does he also him. have uh, restaurant money? Is he was well, Tribeca his Well, I got him like for Meet the Parents and all that. He's had ownership of every movie he's done in the last 20 years for sure. Oh, here we go. De Niro says he'll be lucky to earn $7 million this year due to coronavirus. Oh. Uh, taking a big bite of his usual income, particularly on his investments in New York, uh, the restaurant tra- chain Nobu. Nobu. That's what I thought. And the Greenwich Hotel. He's got investments, what have you. Fucking hell. Uh, okay, Charles Grodin. This is going to be a <laughs> Yeah. He's got. The- I did look at his credits, and this man. It's been in a couple movies. Acted from yeah. 1954 until like 2019 or something. Got that Beethoven money? He's got Clifford money. Oh my God. Muppets Take Manhattan? No. No, Caper. 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 Damn it. Greatest one. It's the best one. I saw it in the theater. <gasps> oh, my God. The boys have discovered the Muppets. It's yeah. insane. Have you had them watch Muppet Caper? Yes, I think so. Did you see uh, Keegan-Michael Key on Saturday Night Live? Yes. Yes. Oh, with the Muppet? Yeah. With the, the Muppet critics. And the, <laughs> it was the greatest thing ever. <laughs> it was uh, really good. It was very good. Groden was in Dave, right? Yes, he was the accountant mm-hmm. friend. He's he always was, an accountant. 
He was also in So I Married an Ex Murderer. He was oh, in, well, he was in oh, the Heartbreak oh, Kid. Right. But he was in the Heartbreak. It's funny because he was in the Heartbreak Kid, which was a huge hit. And then Having Can Wait, which was a massive mm-hmm. flop. And then he was also in Ishtar, oh. a massive flop. Ishtar. So he's like a a strange like touchstone. I don't know where to put this guy. I have a really weird number. I don't know what to do with this guy. Did he do like talk, like any sort of like news or talk? He did a show or something. He did a talk show, didn't he? Nash. He yeah he did he did he did he did he did. He did. Was it his own show or is he just filling in? I forget. He can't design. Yeah. Uh, I have a number. I have written I could be wild. I expect to be wildly, wildly off. Uh, uh, my number is 44. Jesus, I wrote 45. Fuck. Nash. Oh, I'm really. Can I tell you that I started at 79? <laughs> And I dropped it to 29. <laughs> wow. How do, is that your number? 29? Yeah, 29. I wrote it down. I got to be honest. Mm. Charles Grodin has a net worth of $12 million. Oh. Or had a net worth of $12 million. Wow. Rob takes wow. it three to one to one. Not even close. That's that's a story unto itself. I thought about going low because all of his credits are so long ago. Like it's yeah. it's, it's 60s, it's 70s. Hmm. I, it just feels like he didn't get paid a lot for all of those parts. Like it just, yeah. I guess nothing was that big of a blockbuster where he was the lead. No, he didn't have Beethoven. Of those. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, that's not, he didn't get $70 million for that movie. No. <laughs> he wasn't Han Solo in some no. movie somewhere. No. <laughs> All right, well. Well, I will say, if you love Charles Grodin, just go find real life. I know. And that was I, you and Michelle have both talked about it. I, I need to so, it's, I, the whole premise is preposterous, and like if if you just laugh at the premise, you'll laugh at every other scene. Okay, so. good. It's great. I've got I uh, when he died, I uh, bought it or rented it on whatever service. Did you watch uh, it? Not, not no, not okay. recently. Um, I got that, and I got uh, what's the uh, uh, Lost in America. I got that one too. Oh, I mean, that's his probably like quintessential performance, yeah. which is, uh, yeah, he's very good. Yeah. All right, midnight run. It's uh, super under the radar, but everyone should should see it, and everybody likes it apparently. And it holds up. It totally holds up. Very good. Very good. All right, Rob. Um, you know. Like I said, I was uh, surprised by how much better I ha- I held it in high esteem, and I watched it and was like, "Wow, this is better than I even remembered." I know, it's good. 
It was good. Hell yeah. All right. <laughs> yes. What are we doing? Uh, we've got some important ones coming up that I'm going to need your involvement on. <clears throat> All righty then. Heat. We got to make a date for in-person heat. <laughs> uh, I, don't know. I don't know if I'm ready. Got to be in person. Mm-hmm. We got to do Shawshank in person. Yep. I don't even think we should do it. Uh-huh. I got to be honest. I've, we had this conversation. I feel that way about the Godfather. I don't. I don't know if we can handle it. I think it's well, probably that too. But like the, the the overall feeling of the whole movie can't be really broken. <laughs> down. Good. Yeah, there's that. There's so much to talk about. There, Tommy though. Boy is on the list. Yeah, Stripes was not even that. Stripes. Come on, dude, we're doing them. The people need our insight. Yes, this is a good one though. I uh, like I said, um, yeah, this one's fun to do. One that I have not seen in a long time. That's good. And bring it back. That's been fun. I mean, so Ray had never seen it, and she was watching it with me, and she's like, "Well, this is kind of simple." I'm like, "Yeah, but like, you got to watch the scene, and then you know, watch the two talking. Like, that's the whole point." And that, you know. You ever think about lung cancer, Jack? Like, you know, you ever got a chest x-ray, Jack? Like, uh, it was so good. It was so good that throughout the whole rest of the movie, she was like, yeah, he's funny. He's very funny. I think it it gets better after a third watch, fourth watch. It's yeah, It gets better and better. It's great. Yeah. All right, man. Well, I think you right. need to do like what you were, t- what we were talking about, where you can focus on the different characters <clears throat> yeah, yeah. while they're talking. So, like in the conversation, the first time you can watch De Niro and how he is going, and then the other you can watch Charles Grodin, yeah, make his eyes. Fucking hell! All right, all right, later. See you guys. All right, bye, Robbie.